My name is Captain Ozzy with Marker 23 Guide Service, and you're listening to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast. Today I sat down with Drew Webster, and we talked about everything speckled trout, from tactics, lures, and strategies. We covered from A to Z about my favorite species. I really had a great time recording this podcast, and likewise, I hope you guys enjoy it too. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium-light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. You waited too long. You, you waited way too long for the open. <laughs> oh, man. Well, good to be here. Welcome back, everybody. Mr. Drew. What's Captain up, Captain Drew Webster. I appreciate you cutting some time out of your evening to sit down with me. Dude, always a pleasure. Tell always. me something good. How you been, dude? Ah, uh, busy. busy. Nice. Water's cooling down. Weather's cooling down. Fish are on the move inside and outside. It's beautiful time of year right i would beautiful. totally agree fish are definitely on the move um tell me about a little bit about near shore here lately what you've been doing there so near shore gray trout near shore uh king mackerel here in the last couple of weeks uh false albacore are making a big push so you're getting your big what they call them bu- buffalo oh yeah um falsies those are a great time king mackerel sky and bluefish so, a lot going on there, but a lot going on inshore. What you been well. doing inshore mostly? Speckled trout. Heck yeah. It's that time. Do you have a favorite species? I mean, from offshore, near shore, inshore, do you have one thing you just look forward to the most? This time of year? Or in general, but yeah. I, I mean, if it's this time of year, it's top water speckled trout. Is it really? It is top water. I mean, when that water gets down to that 60 mark, you can you can pin them down in the creek with a with a top water. And what water temp is it? Sixty that you're looking for? I love sixty, sixty-one. Yeah. You know, once once it gets lower, um, you move to those suspended baits. Still get the uh, the top water blow up every once in a while, but start moving to those big MRs and those the seventeens and and soft plastics. Do you have a depth range that you put your top waters away, or do you throw it throughout all the depths? Like every depth, twenty. Yeah. Thirty. Why not? You don't know where they're sitting in that water column. Where right. they found, I mean, they could be ten feet on the surface, just because awesome. they're comfortable there. Depending on the uh, the pressure, wind, uh, current. If there's no current, they're get, they got free movement. Right. Um, they're not trying to trying to rest or anything like mm-hmm. that. Try to get behind an eddy. Um, so any water depth, right. always, always keep it tight on. It's a twelve month bait. 
for sure. I would agree. I would definitely agree. And it only takes one time of like a, you know, 40 degree water temp. And you're like, why is why is that guy grabbing a top water? Seen it happen. <laughs> and then you're made a believer, I've, you know. I've been three schooled. blow ups later, and you're like, what the, you know? Then like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. Seen I'm gonna it happen. keep that tied on. Uh, I've been made a believer, but but yeah. um, it's you always keep it tied on. Yeah. And I, I think in the winter, doesn't matter the size of the top water plug. Right. Bigger the better. Yeah. I think because yes, you're going to make them want to come up and get it. That's right. So, yep. I do believe this, like, so, okay, speaking on the uh, making them want to come up, bigger the better, I believe there's there's scenarios where, like, take a trouty, trouty day, um, blowing, raining, you know, the front is about to get here, I would probably throw my big bait. Absolutely. But take a picky day, and I'm trying to, like, bluebird a bluebird, sky. you know, the front's been here for two days now it's kind of just a little bit windy but pretty blue skies or whatever um i'm gonna go smaller baits i still believe on those days that a top water will get you the big bite i don't disagree with that at all but i believe that i want to go smaller in my presentation so when it comes to a tough day a tough bite whatever the case is the first thing i want to do is downsize my presentation but if you're trying to paint the picture perfect Trout day, you know, whatever. Nasty. Everybody knows what that looks like. Na- nasty day. Nasty day. And the front is like right there. The barometer's, you know, about to belly out. The salooner calendar. You're in the middle of a, a, a major. Um, and the beauty of the salooner calendar is on those days that we're trying to describe is there's long majors and there's frequent minors. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're elongated. There's high probability that Big Mama will chew that day. So, yeah, I'm going to go big because that's going to, I'm going to stop catching 16 inch trout and I'm going to get that, whatever, two bites or, or three bites that day. But no, I totally agree. But there is, t- there's instances and times that I like to downsize my presentation. I want to be a little less intimidating on those, those bluebird days and, and even smaller, like mirror lure makes a great. Small top water. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of Skitterwalk. They're they're little one. They're little Skitterwalk. Oh, the Spook. Uh, that little Spook Junior. That's, yeah, that's the best. I, that's, I like a Spook Junior, man. That's that's an awesome breakdown. Um, actually, speaking of Salooner Calendar, that was one of the things I overlooked really for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, not paying attention to those majors and minors. It has a big difference. Definitely has an effect on the fish. Um, but yeah, those those certain scenarios where it's calm, the creek is slicked out, you don't want to be making a bunch of noise in the boat. That's you right. Spook the fish easily. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm I'm a little bit of an addict for the top water, mm-hmm. and then trying to find that big that big dirty thirty trout on a right. top, on a top water plug. Um, believe I've had a couple hit the plugs, and it's it'll make your heart drop. Oh yes. If, if you're if you're into the the top water bite, chuck those things. Um, on those nasty days, but it is important to be able to to have those things in the tackle box and have to be able to size down. That's right. So that brings up a pretty good point. Um, say a typical trout day, you, you get the phone call or or decide to go fun fish for trout. Um, what rods are you bringing? How many and what are what's on each one? 
You're by yourself. By myself? Yeah. Uh, what do you got tied up, ready I'm, to go? I'm going to have probably six rods. I'll have a uh, big MR27 tied on. I'll have a, a topwater plug tied on, uh, shrimp. I'll probably have two different styles of shrimp just because they fall different or the, the size of the shrimp. And which ones is that? Um, the Billy Bay, perfect sinker, and the storm shrimp. Uh, those are two great baits that have been proven. They work. You got a um, color preference in each one? If it ain't chartreuse, it's no use. <laughs> yeah, I always say it because it rhymes, but uh, yeah, that and pink. Yep. Chartreuse and pink. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to stand out. Now, do you dye your own? Is that right? I do. And mine looks almost nuclear. Yeah. We night fished, not, what, two night, three nights ago? Yeah. And you whip this thing out, and I, I'm throwing top water at the time. You whip this thing out and dropped it in the I swear I saw it for four feet. Dude. In the dark. Like, it, I'm telling you, it's nine o'clock. It's different yeah. than the. I'm the watching this. Ne- this. It's not even chartreuse anymore at it's that point. Glowing. It's neon. Yeah. I'm watching this thing sink as you fish the shrimp. I'm like, dude, I see it four feet under the water. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. How are you dying your shrimp? So you buy in the clear. Uh, let's see. That was the perfect sinker. Mm-hmm. Clear, perfect sinker. And then go get that garlic bass mm-hmm. dye. And you, you dip it yourself. You're going to make a mess. The hardest thing is, is getting the thing in there and then getting it out. Because mm. Get it all the way in the container, then try not to flick dye everywhere, all over yourself. The hook gets hung up, so you have a good time with that. But it, it, on some days, it's it's the only bait. Mm-hmm. They gotta have that bright shrimp floating, fluttering right down in front of them, and that, our water gets clear. Mm-hmm. It gets super, super clear in the winter, and I think something that stands out from all the other bait because you'll get the pods of Menhaden, you'll get the pods of. Uh, you know, s- small bait, mud minnows that are all trapped in the back of the creek, and, and they're feeding on those all winter. Some shrimp left over um, throughout, the sh- throughout the winter. But uh, throwing that, that bright bait that stands out that's going right. to get their attention because I think you're getting a reaction bite. Mm-hmm. They're not coming up and sniffing it. I've never really used, like, Procure for trout. I don't – maybe I need to try to, but it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, it's, it, I feel it's a reaction bite right. is what you're getting. They're yeah. saying, oh. It's right in my face. Need to eat. I'm going to eat. Yeah. Right. And, and that's where that, that thump comes from because they're mm-hmm. just sucking it in. That's yeah. it. That's all that matters. Have you seen that recent video of um, trout feeding? I don't know who posted it or what. I Some, haven't. Somebody sent it to me. And um, basically someone put a camera on a bait. And they retrieved the bait in, in a trouty area. And a trout followed it. And then the trout closed his mouth, knocked it, like, knocked it up as if, like... Stunning it? Yeah, like used the top of his nose almost. Stunned it, quote-unquote, and then ate it. But it was it was quick. It was fairly quick. Like, it was, like, stun, bite. So, I was just talking to another um, fishing guy in our area. And um, he was like, yeah, I think the thump you're feeling is the the trout hitting it with his head more so than it is the bite because of, you know, he hits it with his head, it travels through the line, down the rod, in your hand. You set the hook and the trout mouth's open. And I was like, man, that is a pretty interesting theory. What are you feeling? You know, I was like, huh. Now, we've known this, right? We've known because we've watched topwaters be blown up for however long. We know they shut their mouth sometimes and hit it. 
bluefish do it. Redfish are not notorious for doing it, but um, trout obviously do it. Um, I think trout and bluefish are probably the two that I've really noticed. Like, if you watch, like, intensely every fiber of your being watch your topwater, you're like, his mouth wasn't even open. You, you know what I mean? And trout and bluefish are the two that I've noticed heavily. Redfish, maybe. Um, I don't know that I've seen, like, one instance where I'm like, that that was it. You know what I mean? But it was really, really cool. You know, that thump we talk about is potentially – you know, anatomically, the way the trout are shaped, just a knock. Yeah, I I can believe it because I've foul hooked so many mm-hmm. of them, um, and a lot of times it's on the top of the head. Yeah, um, it's that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, so you feel the you feel the knock, the bump, the thump, whatever. When when. And how do you set the hook? In your opinion, this is a this is a age old tackle shop debate. Well, I was always told you never set the hook on a mirror lure. Just real, right? Just real. I can't help it. <laughs> I, I set the hook, um, right? I as hard as hard as it is to fight it. I've maybe been able to do it a couple times. That's what I've been told. Um, and and with that thump on the head, might be the reason why you lose so many trout sure. on a mirror lure. Mm-hmm. You. You're, you're going to catch your your ratio or your percentage of catching on a jig head is a lot higher than it is on a mirror lure. But mm-hmm. that mirror lure, I say, gets more bites. You think so? I, I believe so. Do you think there is a scenario where it gets more bites or just when it's in cold. general? When it's cold. Yeah. Like when the we start getting into bait. that 47 degree water, 46. I mean, we broke an ice on the creek. Mm-hmm. So you know it's cold. It's right. low 40s, 42. Mm-hmm. I believe that mirror lure. Is is gonna is gonna hang out in the strike zone a lot longer. Sure, it's gonna entice that trout to be able to 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 move. I guess now a new revelation: thump it with his head, and then dude, and I have eat it. I saw the like. Honestly, it was like sent to me, and I was like halfway busy, and looked at it, I'm like, man, that was cool. And then I met up with the guy who sent it to me. He's like, man, and he explained it a little more to me. I need to go back and watch it a little better. But yeah, I mean that's. Dude, I, I don't, it. but I don't doubt it. I believe it. I don't think that's every bite, though. No, that's not every thump. No, it's not. However, sometimes I know that I, you know, one of the common phrases I have on my boat is hook sets are free. One hundred percent. If you take seventeen hook sets or ninety-seven hook sets, doesn't matter, dude. It's free. It's it is. So if you think you feel a bite, set the hook. Set the and, hook. I, and I fish that way. I tournament fish that way. I fun fish that way. Whatever the case is, and with that being said, there's a couple times I'm like, that was a trout thump, yeah. and I know it, and I swing, I swing on it because I do, I do swing on fish, uh, trout in particular. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, just real, just you know what I call it. It's not a redfish set. No, it's not even a largemouth bass, not even close, right? But I call it leaning into it. Yes. So what I do is not near as fast and hard, but I, I bring it up into, so I'm holding the rod in my right hand. I'm reeling with my left. I bring both hands into my left armpit, right? I lean into it. I'm not, very, I'm not being quick. When I feel it, I'm urgent. I would say that would be the tempo, urgent. And I have super loose drag too. That's a huge thing. But I bring it into my left armpit, 
if you've ever had anything you're trying to open, um, you know, jar of pickles or liquor jar or whatever it is, you're going to hold that thing right there in your left armpit. And you're on, you know, your dominant hand right here, you know, you're wrenching down on it. I call it the, the position that I call setting the trout in is like, hey, bring it to the pickle jar stance. That's right, you know, if, if you're right-handed. If that rod's in your right hand and you're reeling with your left, everything goes to your left armpit. I wish we had a camera on us right now. It would make a whole lot more sense. But oh, I, I understand um, setting setting the hook or leaning into it. I can't tell you how many fish I've lost from not setting the hook. Yeah, especially right. Especially big flounder or, or a trout. Mm-hmm. Um, Which are two funny hook sets right very, there. Those two species are tough. I mean, even if you do go Bassmasters mm-hmm. on it, you set the hook. Yeah. You, you did something uh-huh. instead of just letting it sit there and not knowing what to do. Uh-huh. Um, so any anything is welcome as far sure. as the nothing truer than hook sets are free. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I, I will I will say, don't swing on it. Like bill dance or like, you know. It's not the preferred method. No, because you're going to make a hole in that trout's mouth where any teensy bit of direction change or slack in your line or in that that little treble or that little jig head's out. That beautiful head shake. (laughs) Love it. But I hate it. (laughs) I do love it. They they know what they're doing. It makes me happy. I'm stoked on it. Like, that is why I'm enamored with the fish. But at the same time, my heart dropped. When that head comes up, you know, you see that silverness in the brown water, and then all of a sudden he's shaking on top. And, dude, when he's shaking on top, dude, I'm just sweating. Devastated. I guarantee you my heart rate jumps when he when he makes it to that head shaking. Which which saying that makes me kind of believe even more your, your video because uh, mm-hmm. they know their mouths are thin. Mm-hmm. So they want to stun whatever it is so it's not a threat or not a, a struggle when they sure. eat it. Yeah. So that kind of makes some sense yeah. with that, with stunning the bait. Right. Um, but uh, It's also tough to, like, say this is how trout eat based off of one video. I just, I just want them to eat. That's, <laughs> that's all I ask for. I just I'm, want I'm simple. Them just want them to eat. eat because they will be on fire and they will shut down. Yeah. And... 15 minutes that's right it'll it'll be done that's for the right day. and you got to move on and do something different they're window feeders absolutely they're, they're probably the the biggest example of window feeders that we have in north carolina we don't have permit or snook or nothing like that but our speckled trout are window feeders they're gonna eat when they want i mean we're talking big big speckled trout more than anything else a little speckled trout will probably compete and eat when he probably shouldn't eat or when the rest of the trout wouldn't eat but big speckled trout north of 24 you know five pound fish they're gonna eat when it's right you know what i mean conditions got to come together so you have the tide bait Mm -hmm. presentation all that good stuff you Um, had the best 15 minutes of your life right then you know in the speckled trout world and you're like what the crap it's done yep and and and, because the window feeders then that's my opinion in theory and then you're riding 25 miles to go find the, the same conditions, <laughs> the right. same outgoing or incoming or uh-huh. wind direction. Uh, right. I mean, that, that plays a big uh, a big factor, I believe, because it can s- speed up or slow down the current. Uh-huh. It can stall the current, so you can run, you know, up the ICW or upriver and 
basically recreate that scenario. So, so take those notes when you find a good bite and be like, hey, okay, cool, the wind's blowing this direction, water temp's this, barometer's this, uh, I'm on a major right now, look and see when your next major is. Mm-hmm. Or you maybe head up the creek or you maybe head towards the ocean. Right. And it can change your, change your bite. Right. You're trying to find – the further you get away from the inlets, the longer gap from actual high tide is going to be. Right. So you can kind of recreate that situation um, as far as your tide and then look at the directions of those creeks mm-hmm. and find those wind windows that it, that it's that's basically recreating the same p- position over and over and over again. Water depth, all that stuff plays yeah. in, into uh, hunting those big trout or just in numbers because mm-hmm. um, they'll feed for a little while and then they'll shut down and they'll feed again probably 8, 12 hours later. Right, right. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an iStrike Texas Eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com, and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P-127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. If you could paint a perfect trout scenario from you know from start to finish, whether it be place, time, weather conditions, everything. I mean, how would you paint this this day, this scenario, this spot, and what's in your hands? Oh, so looking at probably I I love a spit and rain kind of day, like we talked about earlier. Probably pre front, moving into those cloudy. Uh, windy day is not blowing 40 or 50, but probably blowing 20. Um, out of the north, you have the old sands of the fish bite, the best when the wind's blowing the west. I believe anything kind of blowing offshore down here, which is north-northwest, um, will be the best. It's going to, you know, rough up the river a little bit and uh, kind of turn that up, make your make your ride a little bit, a little bit rough. But uh, once you get into those creeks, you'll get out of the wind. Um, with that overcast, that barometer just on that that tip of teetering, um, with that front coming in, is going to get them them hung up. And obviously, in a, in a major, you know, preferably fifteen to twenty minutes into that major, um, really makes a good scenario. Um, I like the bad weather days because it kind of cuts down on the crowd. Sure, you know, um. So you don't have to co- quite compete in those choppy days on the river, because I, I mean I got the boat for it, you know, to, to deal with those choppy days and and to get into those creeks. It just it, it works out with those those 
it, it, at least in the past, it's worked out for me really well with clients um, on those nasty days. Like, hey, just, just bring some rain gear. We'll hide under a bridge if it gets real bad. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or just I'll have some stuff like there. We can scoot over to the marina, get out of it if it gets real bad. Um, it just historically has worked out pretty well for me. Sure. And, you know, finding that deep water, finding some moving water. Yeah. And Those say moving water, things. you don't want, you know, a, a one to two mile an hour tide going out. You don't want it ripping. You want that first third of the tide or that last third of the tide. Mm-hmm. I feel like that middle part of that tide is, is just too strong. The fish are either, you know, been pushed around a little bit or settled down or trying to find a way to get comfortable and mm-hmm. that when that tide peaks uh, then once it starts to slow down then they figure out like hey okay it's time to feed i also believe that they don't have to burn as much energy to eat then you know what i mean they're they're about opportunity yeah so. and we're we're definitely talking in like when they go into like energy preservation mode yeah that's your sub 50 degrees right so you, when you're in that, for lack of better terms, energy preservation mode, yes, they're not eating in the fast water. They're not so they're not willing to use that big fan tail to just keep on, just keep on waving and kicking, just to keep them still waiting on that bait. They're going to wait until it's slack or that first third, last third, like you were talking about. It's much easier to come get that shrimp, finger mullet, menhaden, whatever you know. Right. It's it it is definitely not in when everybody starts to think trout time it's not a mid-tide thing right unless you have a low current area even at mid-tide of course you you can find it it, i guess i'm gonna talk myself in circles here it's less about what tide is it at the inlet and where are you at and does does the current reach that place you know what i mean right you could be in, in x amount of miles from the inlet and not feel that Yes. And then by the time the current gets there, you could be somewhere. You already touched that's, on that quite right. a bit, but th- that's the beauty of our coast and the waterway itself is yes. to the ability to change your scenario altogether with just a 20-mile run, if that. Uh, the biggest thing that kind of keyed me to to water running too hard would be uh, a change in temperature mm-hmm. in the water. So you roll up in there, it's, you know, 45 degrees 45 degree water on the top, and then you start seeing a temperature change two degrees one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That means your water's running too hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's running way too hard. There's a lot of there's a temperature change, and for the fish, they're gonna sense something's up. They're not gonna be comfortable. Um, it's time to move mm-hmm. to another spot. So that's, and moving water will always be cooler than still water, I, and I that's believe. a great tool to use in in North Carolina. Let's say February. Yes. And I would never, you won't catch me fishing a windy bank in February. No. That water's going to be cooler. Be turned over. Be churned up. Right. But catch me in August, there's a chance I will be fishing that cooler water. Think It changes with the seasons. Yeah, it, it does. De- it definitely does. There is a season in which, here in North Carolina, there's a season where we want the cooler water and, then, yeah. <laughs> and we want the warmer water. And the fish want the same thing. So... Keep in mind with what's going on, and then you have spring and fall, and it's just going to be this one big, uh, you know, guessing game. <laughs> that, that's that's what it's been here recently. We've cooled down, warmed up, cooled down, warmed back up, and it's 
it's kept us on our toes. Yeah. Um, but the more falls you have on the water, like, oh, this reminds me of whatever, you know, 2016, 2018. Make a fishing log. Big fan. Keep a log. Conditions. No, no, there's no stupid detail. No. So anything you can remember. Agreed. Um, there's no no detail that doesn't matter that couldn't turn it around. Um, you know, I feel like the summertime, we're starving for oxygen. You know, our our waters are because they're so hot. Yeah. You know, 90 degrees. This one particularly. This last summer was yes. particularly hot. It was definitely hot. So you're looking for those those windy banks. That water mm-hmm. turned over, so the oxygen's all all dissolved into the water. And um, in the wintertime, you're, you're looking for stability. So they want to be stable. They want to be comfortable. Dark bottoms. You know, all the same things that people have heard and people have read. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're all the same things. So yeah. you, you're looking for something stable. Um, and the only way you're going to find those things and put those pieces together is, is keeping that log. Right. So, Well, the color of the bottom is one thing that I, I was thinking was a dumb detail. Like, yeah, I caught these fish over sand. I was over sand because I could only see them there. And then years of having a log, I realized, but yeah, dude, it was July. I caught them over sand because sand Sand's is cool. lighter and cooler than mud. You know, that we have a lot of silt, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Plush mud, if you will. And uh, so that was a great example to your point that I was like, this is a dumb, like, I look back, I was like, it's a dumb detail. It doesn't yep. matter, you know. I didn't think it did at the time. We're talking about before I knew anything. You know what I mean? I was that wealth of knowledge. I don't have wealth. I don't have a wealth of knowledge either, dude. But I was like, I wouldn't say I'm like twenty to thirty redfish in at this point. I'm like, it was a waxing moon, three percent. I caught a mover sand, and there was a blue jay in the tree above me like i was <laughs> marking down every detail Everything. and then i looked back two years later I'm like it's a dumb detail going through another three years and I'm like oh wait a minute like it all starts to make sense that's right so and and i think you really start to build something when you get to three years mm-hmm. when you get to three years of keeping a log and it sounds like a long time but even even if you're fishing two three times a month you're getting a Sometime on the water, mm-hmm. and that's what matters. Yeah, and I agree. You can, you can look at that log and look at the weather the day before. You can have a good idea right. of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, no, it's a it's a big river. It's, you know, plenty of water for these fish to move around. Mm-hmm. So have a backup plan. That's, that's one thing I struggled with as well was making a plan. But if my first two spots don't work out, you know, they're not going to be in those types of areas. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be feeding there. Have a backup plan. Have a wild card to throw out. Because if you're going to go, you know, hit some grass, you're going to hit some moisture bars, well, maybe you should have a plan to go hit some depth. Mm-hmm. Because we're hitting two to three foot of water, you know, probably less, you know. And then if, if those don't work out, have that have that spot in mind, taking into consideration the tide, the wind, you know, the, the sky, what that's going to be like, and, and find that – a little bit of depth. Yeah. Make that big change. Go to 12 foot. Go to 10 foot. Go to 8. Um, and that's for, you know, any type of year. Mm-hmm. Because if we're fishing right now, if we're fishing 5 to 6 foot of water and we're not we're not picking up anything, cool, let's make a big change. Let's go shallow and see what's up. Right. Let's go, let's have a spot nearby, you know, where we can go deep, 10 foot plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being able to make that plan and that preparation, it's not just in your tackle. 
Right. It's not just cool. I've got the the best reel, the lightest reel. Mm-hmm. You know, the best rod with the best guides, best blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the best line leader lures. It matters about where you are because mm-hmm. if you have all that and you're there's no fish there, you know it doesn't matter. You could have a a little Zebco mm-hmm. and you go to the right spot and you're going to catch fish. Yeah. So the gear matters. Right spot the, at the right time. I think the plan is at least fifty percent of your day. Yeah. Yeah. And and the ability to uh fish intuitively. Right? Observantly. Yes. You know, cha- changing with the weather conditions cuz they could call light and variable for uh-huh. tomorrow and it's it could be blowing 15. Yeah. So. There, I don't know how many times I've dropped at a ramp with a game plan and then go through the no wake zone and by the time I'm on plane my plan is 180 degrees different. Yes. Yeah, I'm not doing anything I planned on doing. You're like, that and that and that is probably not going to work because Blood. it's a northeast and this water does that. And da, 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 da. Again, fishing log and time in the water is how you get there. That's right. But the ability to fish intuitively is what, you know, is what, well, I don't want to word this. That is what you're after, I guess is your intuitive fishing to be successful again and again and again. At least that's me, right? Right. Um, but the fish are the best thing to keep you humble. <laughs> if, oh you, if you got a pride problem, you should probably take up fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll humble you real quick. Um, but, uh, again, time on the water, nothing beats that. No. But with that time on the water, you have to have a log. Yeah. I know. But I don't think you can be rigid about it because fish aren't. No. Well, December second of twenty ten, I did this, did that, and you know what I mean. I'm like, that. Ah. It's it's not so much. They like don't that. have a calendar. You have to be intuitive right. enough to be like, oh, fifty six degrees on a northeast wind and a cloudy sky, and the front's four days out. You know what I mean. Right. And that only comes from I would have seen it before to and, be able to have a log in some way that I could search conditions. Spreadsheet. Spreadsheet. I'm not good with Excel. <laughs> not good with Excel. Um, but if you could search sunny day, 50-degree water, wind blowing northwest, and just pull up your history. That'd be great. Yeah. So nobody's still my, still yeah. my idea. Some, somebody who is very spreadsheet savvy is going to take this. Is going to listen to this and be like, yep, I want yes ro- what I'm doing. I want doing. royalties on that. <laughs> Hello, my name is Drew Webster, and uh, <laughs> you owe me royalties. Um, but it, it it plays a part in in fishing twelve months out of the year. Yeah, no matter no matter what you're doing and what mm-hmm. time of year it is, your your log and then your 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 gut feeling of what you should be doing is going to play a big pol- a big uh, role in yeah. uh, in you catching fish. I think the gut feeling takes time too. I I, I won't forget. Um, I got into the tournament scene probably before I should have. And I remember looking at the guy that I fished with and he would just have these gut feelings. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you want to do that? And then after that, I switched tournament partners because he kind of got out of the scene or this and that and the other. And um, my new tournament partner did the same thing. And, And the truth of the matter is, I was the, you know, lesser angler. They were both better anglers than I was. They had this gut feeling, this in, this intuitive, you know, sixth sense about them. And uh, 
I did not, and I couldn't make sense of it. And what I learned was eventually that that sixth sense and that intuitive ability just come because they both had spent more time on the water than I have. So, you know, the more time and the more this and that, eventually I ran, I was like, I don't know why I pulled into this creek. I don't know, you know, I couldn't tell you logistically. It's like feeling a mosquito bite on your leg and slapping it. You didn't think twice. You just did it. And that's how they were about choosing their spots. And, and I wasn't like that in the beginning, you know. So I think you get there regardless. But it definitely takes uh, a skunk or two to or, – or a really, really good day or two, you know, to, to get to that point. Yeah, I, f- I feel like uh, you get the couple really great epic days and it, it brings up your confidence and then – uh, they bring you right back down to earth <laughs> yeah. is, is what I think. When I feel like I'm untouchable, that's when I'm uh, I'm the most vulnerable. Yeah, that's so, trout fishing, one-on-one. That, that is trout fishing. I mean, it could be, you know, fish great one day, hit the same spot the next day, not happening. Yep. It's a tough thing. Um, what What are your baits like, like right now? Like your – What I'm throwing? What are you, what are you throwing for size-wise? For big trout, yeah, um, that's all I'm worried about this time of year. <laughs> big, big trout, uh, full size spook, full size spook. Take the middle hook off. Oh yes, that's that's what I'm doing. Uh, if I went out for eight hours and that my only goal was to catch a big trout, that'd, that'd be probably the only bait I'd throw. That's that's the only one. Probably. If, if you're big trout hunting, I mean it's it's. I gotta, don't know, dude. I would throw a six inch paddle tail. You agree with elephants eat peanuts? I do. I would be lying to say I didn't have, a, you know, a 17, a 27 on the rig. Today, matter of fact, the best bait on the um, the best bait on the rig today was a four-inch paddle tail with a chartreuse tail. Like, caught some decent fish, you know, some three-pounders and whatnot. Um, but our big fish come on a topwater with the middle hook taken off. That's right. Um, we also had some pretty good fish on Spook Jr., but um, if I had to, to write it out, I would say, you know, the obviously the full-size spook, take the middle hook off, and then six-inch paddle tail, and uh, MR27, and the, a really big fluke rigged weedless on a very special hook. Secret. I mean, it's a weedless hook weighted forward. <laughs> Go Google it. You'll all, find it. All my big trout come on shrimp. Really? Like the the dyed shrimp. Uh-huh. All of them. All of my biggest trout. The the ones I caught. My biggest trout come on a paddle tail. Oh, my gosh. A Billy Bay Halo Shad. Tiger blood or what's it called? Tiger? Yeah. Just we'll stick with tiger. Everybody knows what you're talking about. I don't know. It's green and orange and black and ugly as sin. Yeah. At Captain Addison's favorite bait. Is it really? It is. He caught my biggest one. It's it's a winner. But it's not been my favorite since. So I caught that. I, I don't even think I was guiding then, to be honest with you. I mean, I might have been in high school. Anyways, regardless of when I caught it, had it on the boat, threw it. I was in an aluminum boat, too, at the time. Like, definitely not guiding then. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the boat. Oh, same for me. Ugly green carpet, dude. Anyways, I, was, I had this bait on the boat, and I was throwing it, and uh, I caught this. Pretty nice fish who has remained my PB since. And uh, 
I mean, I've, I've caught fish on that bait since. Obviously, it's always on the boat. I'm going to throw yes. it because I caught that nice fish. But since then, I've had more citations, you know, more citation trout on other baits than that one. Like, I think it was, I don't know if it was like a circumstance, a three-inch paddle tail. Like, it wasn't something that you, if you go and look, I think Speckle Truth, in fact, posted some stats. Uh, they were in the Dirty 30 thing in the program for release 20 and um it was like they posted everybody who reported a 30 inch trout and it was a heavy heavy percentage come on top water heavy percentage there was also a big part uh paul brown but i think that was a very heavily texas influence statistic great but bait it is great, it great is bait. in the right scenarios great bait right i, I agree it is great but it's still Texas influenced. Oh, there, yeah. there was just more fish coming from there than there was here. I don't think you can take some of those stats and translate them to our fishery. No, I I think there's there, it's just two different regions. Two, yeah. I mean, for sure, the trout are very different as well. They're speckled trout, but they're they're Gulf fish. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't believe those fish make the migration up here. So mm-hmm. We don't we don't get a mix. Mm-hmm. I don't think we see, or we we may see, but it's not very many. Some Texas fish, mm-hmm. so I don't think they they migrate that far too often. Right. Um, all all of my big fish came after a topwater blow up, and then throw a shrimp right behind it. Mm-hmm. Like literally, topwater plug still in the water. Right. So, um, pro tip: always have a rod ready to throw behind that that short strike. Right. I yeah. mean, you. I most of my five pound plus and then my biggest trout came that way because if you're if you're a top water addict and they're short striking it you can pick them off that way super right not saying it's easy you got to be able to place that cast in the right place but you can get that trout to bite because he's there right he's there and you put that shrimp right there and it'll he'll, he'll inhale that thing well the um, people gotta know they, they gotta know what is your Oh, my trout. PB? What's your trout, man? 28 and 7 eighths. <laughs> to the T. To the T. What do you weigh? Did you weigh him? No, I didn't weigh him. Gotcha. Relocated him. And then, <laughs> uh, and, and some deep water and some safe water and, uh, you know, snapped some pictures and, and moved on. Were um, you trying to get away from the nets? Did you get him out of a net area? I got him out. Of, yeah, he's safe area. Or she. She's a safe area. Yeah. So got it got it away from, from nets, from other fishermen, you know. Scarred the boat up pretty bad. I mean, you say you were in a uh John boat or a I was. boat. Mm-hmm. I was in a ninety three twelve foot McKee craft. Heck yes. With a ninety three Johnson fifty. Mm-hmm. Two stroke. <laughs> two smoker. Mm. And uh yeah, I ran that up in some in some some covert places. <laughs> dropped her off, you know, where she's safe. That's so awesome. Hopefully that fish is still alive. Uh, probably definitely 30 by now. Um, At the but, end of her days. Yeah. I mean, we, we got them here, man. And uh, I think, you know, they'll they'll be caught and mm-hmm. they'll show up. And you just got to be right place, right time. Can't do it on the couch. You got to get out <laughs> on those nasty days. Right. Those, those are those big trout days. Yeah. Um. The day I caught my best trout was like <clears throat> very, very obsolete boat ramp, right? Yeah. I didn't see the trucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, for that boat ramp was pretty weird. 
And then I'm going to run out. I'm like, man, should I be out here? Should I be doing this? And I had a short run. I didn't even run far. Not for the faint of heart. I was like, man, should I? And I was in a little bitty rig. Like, my rig now or your rig now wouldn't. You'd be like, okay, we'll be there. But in this particular rig, you know, a little 16-foot aluminum boat, I'm like, man, should I be here? Should I be doing this right now? Am, am I, I, I gonna, water before. Am I going to die? <laughs> you know, obviously not knowing the limits of my boat or, you know, having the confidence to be out there. Or not. And then getting back there, dude, I got two bites, three bites that day. Not many, but they were all decent fish. All big fish. Yeah. yeah. All big one, fish. One ding, I, I, I lie. I one dinker um, in the mouth of said creek, and then in the back were, were a couple more bites, and, and they were all decent but uh, yeah, it was definitely should. If it's blowing, you should go. You should go. But it's not for the faint of heart. It's cold. It's windy. It's rainy, and it sounds doesn't sound bad. But once you get out there and you try to cast that braided line, that ten pound or that eight mm-hmm. pound, um, it's it's going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. But you're looking for those two to three bites mm-hmm. that are just going to you know put that certificate on your wall. Mm-hmm. Or that are going to you know get you that sticker on the truck. That's sure. what I'm chasing. Yeah, I'm chasing that that thirty, <laughs> and um, eventually it's going to happen. No, oh, yeah, you get out there enough days, it'll happen. That got to happen. Um, when it comes to not for the faint of heart, one thing that helps is good rain gear, good cold gear, and good rain gear. So, what do you prefer, dude? I, I rock the grunts, man. The old, the old school commercial style Grunnins. Heck yes. You can't beat them. They're tough. Um, I think I'm, I'm wearing a Grunnin jacket as we speak. Dude, those those Grunnin bibs. Now, Shout out to Grunnin if you're listening. Yeah. You're, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you're layered up underneath. But uh, Talk me through that. How do you be comfortable on a good drought day? Well, uh, I mean, luckily I got some you know, military gear <laughs> that I can wear. Uh, but you're, you're definitely doing a base layer. Um of some kind of long john style waffle or uh or frog and then you're you're working out to the whether it's your your fishing pants you know some sort of water resistant kind of deal and then the grunts on top mm. um one thing that's tough is the is the footwear what footwear is what gets what gets me man some some days i'll rock the extra toughs other days i'm rocking the insulated boots you know what brand insulator are you rocking Solomon, mm. Solomon insulated boots are good. Merrells are really good as well, but the problem with a lot of those is hard to find a light colored sole. Mm. So a lot of them are either brown, black. Yeah, they they, they make them. Um, shoot, my father in law rocks the New Balances. Heck yes, Dude, old school New Balance. I recently, I'm not going to buy another pair of extra toughs. Personally. I mean, they yeah. just keep wearing out, dude. I, I wear through them. I wear two pairs a year. Yeah, two I'm pairs five. I go through. I'm four to five months. So I'm trying out these Huck boots. A hook, what is it? H U K. Hook. So I'm trying them out. Uh, this summer, however, I thoroughly enjoyed fishing in um, tennis shoes. I love my flops. Don't get me wrong. I have Olakoff Olakoff flops, and I love them, but they're not much support. And I really, really enjoyed guiding in my tennis shoes. But now that it's cold, I'm gonna try these hook, hook, hook boots. And uh, but wool socks, 
I'm, I'm, you can't see it, it's obviously, but I just literally kicked my foot up to he, table height. And, and <laughs> I got to say, he held them up like y'all should, y'all should see them. <laughs> I'm wearing these wool socks. I think your sock is the biggest part of keeping your foot warm, dude. Big fan of wool socks. Um, so I'm a little different. Obviously, same base layer. You know, wear some long johns. Big fan of jogging pants. Oh, huge. Also, I'm wearing them. I literally just got off the water as we started this. So Sam's Club has got the best fishing pants. <laughs> Let me no go way. throw that out there. They got the stretchy pants. They're the best fishing pants. I um, love it. $16. Oh, God. How many? Prepare? Yeah, prepare. Dang. That yeah. ain't bad. No. Sam's Club, you never know. $16 gets you 59 <laughs> pair of pants. I never know. <laughs> Sam's Club is, is the joint. And, a, and some socks with it. But, uh, no, I go Long John. Sweatpants, grunting bibs, and I wear, they're called the, like, God Series grunting bibs. Oh, yeah. It's a little thinner. Awesome. But I, I, that's that's my base layer on my bottom half, and then I do a uh, same style thermal layer on my top, like, what did you say, frog or waffle or whatever. Right. It's a thermal layer. And then I do, like, a normal shirt, a hoodie, and I throw my bibs on, and then on top of the hoodie, I do, like, a, a rained slash like wind resistant oh. that gets me most the winter dude shout out to uh afco for making a great hoodie the reaper mm. have you tried that one i haven't tried that one yet dude, it's got the built-in uh buff face shield nice on that and then the hoodie locks down so it doesn't blow off when you're driving the boat because i gotta i gotta take my uh windshield off during the winter right to get to some places and uh by the way the boat looks 10 times faster it looks with, fast with the windshield off um, but yeah, that, that built-in neck gator kind of deal is, is clutch. It's called the AFCO Reaper? Reaper. The mm. Reaper hoodie. I'll have to Wind check resistant. Look, I fished two days, uh, sea bass fishing. And if you've ever done that, you know, you're covered in squid, you're covered in sea bass throw up. Fished it two days in a row. Didn't stink. Dang. It's water resistant, stink resistant. Um. Stink resistant I don't, I don't, I don't know how or why, but I'm covered in squid all the time. And then sea bass just makes a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but fished it two days in a row. Just hung it up in the garage. And then right back at it the next day. Nice. So, um, big shout out to them. Awesome product. Nice. I'd, uh, I'd like to check that out. I've had some guys get on the boat with uh, AFCO. I don't know, jackets or hoodies or what. Dude, I'm wearing like, their shorts right now. They have their the the buff built in for the yeah. cold. Like, it's yeah. a thick buff. And then... Uh, I said, man, that'd be nice, dude. And it's got the. We're standing up driving the boat, whereas they the can holes keep their, cut in, so you don't fog up your glasses. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Nice product. I check that one out. I don't have one of those. Yeah, be wearing it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, I'm excited about tomorrow. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, we're gonna take a little fishing date. Yeah, I mean, looking forward to it. Um, run some water, scout some spots. Hashtag God's day off. You know, Thanksgiving uh, rush. You say. I mean, it's always around the holidays. Always. It's go time. Yeah, it's for, for sure. Um, looking forward to it. You know, this time of year, the, the weather's been uh, surprisingly warm for this type of, this time of year. Mm. I mean, I think we were up to, you know, 69, 70 degrees today. And uh, usually Veterans Day is that that time. Mm-hmm. When, that, when that wind turns or that, that weather gets a little cooler. Um and we got warm weather coming. Mm-hmm. So, what I what I what I focus on in on this on these 
these unstable weather patterns is is these fish are going to be moving in and out. Mm-hmm. So it's you got you got to be able to run around. So fish that big water, fish those creeks. You know, hit those up, and you know nothing wrong with a popping court this time of year. They're, they're fired up if they're hitting. They're short striking those uh, top water baits. Popping corks another good deal. Yeah. As well, mm-hmm. they're, they're cued in on that that aggression, that sound, that that uh, competition. Um, definitely have a a, a popping cork on tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to get get after it. Um, see what it's got for us. But any last tidbit of trout advice you'd like to give to the trout heads out there? Carry a lot of tackle. I, I carry twice as much tackle in the this time of year than I do in the summer. Yeah? Yeah, my tackle doubles. Why is that? Just because I, th- I think the size of the jig head, the size of the bait varies. Mm-hmm. You know, all the mirror lures you got to carry because they may be hot on one color, and that's just it for the for the season. Um, I carry so much tackle with me. So it's uh, – don't be scared to change them out. Mm-hmm. Um, got turned on to the speed clips. Oh, yeah. So you ain't got to retie all yeah. the time. And Did you feel like it was too much hardware? Have you noticed a change in your bite? When that water gets really clear, my leader doubles. Right. So it goes from that, I don't know, 24 inches in the summer, mm-hmm. you know, it, and I'll stretch it out to, you know, three foot, four foot. I'll uh, step down my, my braid. From ten to eight pound, because mm-hmm. I mean we're we're throwing with four pounds of drag, five right. pounds of drag. Mm-hmm. You're not going to break them off, mm-hmm. um, or you shouldn't if your drag set properly. Um, just so you can make those casts, right. lighter line, less disturbance. I don't, I I, I geek out on, sure. on stepping down. You know, you step down your rod size to the super light, those ultra lights. Um, so just don't be. If you got the room, bring the tackle. Because maybe that one bait that saves the day. Sure. It's that, I don't know, neon dyed nuclear <laughs> looking shrimp that, that right. you got, and you got two of them in the box, and you and your buddy smoke them all day. Right. Um. Or or having that two of those those mirror lures. Right. That that makes it happen, or that that paddle tail, that big paddle tail, that four or five inch paddle tail that that gets it done. Right. Um. So. Not not a plug to go buy more tackle. Just have a range mm-hmm. of of sizes yeah. and of of uh, of jig heads. Right, that, that weight because those nasty days you're gonna have to throw a heavier jig head. Yep, because you you can't chuck a 16 ounce jig head in 20 mile an hour wind. <laughs> not <laughs> at happen. least not very far. Not, not upwind or crosswind. You won't. Right. Um, so just just be prepared for that. Just you know, diversify your tackle. Make sure you got a little bit of uh, of size, and and you can you can you know go go bigger, go smaller, and and you know make sure you're not throwing the same things until you figure them out. That's right. That's that's the best thing is that if you I got four people on the boat, they're all throwing something different. Mm-hmm. Somebody's always throwing top water if they can work it, and you just mix it up. Yep. Don't be scared. That's why you see me riding down the river with looking like a porcupine. <laughs> you know, with all the rods sticking out of the boat, and, yeah, and that—that's—that's that's the best piece of advice. Yeah, don't be scared to change it up. Speed clips are a bait, a great thing to make it quick. A little bit of hardware, but uh, 
if it gets you that bite, that's that's what matters. Right. I would have to agree. I definitely um definitely change baits more trout fishing than red fishing, but for whatever reason, got like my four. Like right. But do you made a good point? It might be the same four and five different weights. You know what I mean? Right. Because anything can change current, tide, uh, wind, you name it. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. You carry, may need that half-ounce jig. Carry a lot of tackle. Carry a, Sorry for the flats, boats, guys, the technical polling skips. You're going to struggle. Yeah. Doesn't, but doesn't it is help. what it is. Carry it. <laughs> yeah. Get, get, a, get a big uh, Plano box. Yeah, that's right. So, just make make those couple boxes of that uh, that gra- kind of grab bag. Because, if like, tomorrow I got my little my little bag of everything. Mm-hmm. Of everything I can fit in there. Right. Um, just just build those out. Be able to have some uh, diversity in your uh, in your tackle, and uh, you know don't be scared to switch it up. Right. But top water never comes off. No. That's the one thing you never retie. No. Agreed. Yeah. You got one. If you're running two rods, you're you got the one that you're you're switching out. Which that that long leader comes into into play, so you ain't got to retie a leader. That's when right. You get to that. Eight to six inches of leader left. So <laughs> getting there. a little lazy. Yeah, just a little bit. It's hard, <laughs> hard to tie, you know, a leader in the wind. Right. And when you're freezing. Right. So freezing but, more than wind for yeah. me. I yeah. don't mind in the wind. I freaking hate trying to tie a Unity Uni or an FG knot, and my fingers are just cold from oh, driving yeah. to yeah. the spot. Unity Uni all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the best on the boat knot. Yeah, to tie. You right. can't beat it. I'm not tying loop knots or nothing like <laughs> nothing. That's all done at the house. Yeah, you know, garage knots. Yeah, that's garage knot and uh, that that FG and which is a great knot, especially if you're running a long leader. So you sure. tie it right. You only got to tie it once, and you run that that three four foot leader, and you should be good the rest of the day. Right. So yeah. that's 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 the biggest tip is yeah. Make sure you run a long leader and uh, carry a lot of tackle. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, dude, I, I really appreciate you carving some time out of your evening to sit down with me and talk trout and talk winter. Um, I appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Made out of South Carolina. Carolina First Made is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.